advice to you is to do what your parents did. Get a job, sir. No, no, no. <laughs> Not you. You might think get a job in between the Super Bowl and March Madness. No. Had a good show. Fez taking a week off back next week. But I got to tell you, I think it was better without Fez. No. <laughs> but it was tight. It wasn't as long. He's blabby. Blab, blah, 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 blah. But I'm going to keep this one short, too. We got a coupon code that for all seasons. There's an old movie called The Man of All Seasons or For All Seasons. It's like a religious movie. It's interesting. I saw it once a long time ago. Well, you might be thinking, I want to bet NBA. Some people might say, I hear AJ's good at college. Well, actually, if you look at AJ's college, which has been the predominant part of it, but his college and NBA combined up almost 55 units this season. Griffin Warner, your protege, is that yep. fair to say? 34 units just in college basketball. Great shaker up 17 in the NBA, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to give you 25% off anything you want. That means you can make the 20 or save the 25% on a you know daily package. Save yourself five, six bucks, whatever. Or you can buy something long term and save hundreds. It's your choice. It's through the weekend. It's pregame 25. P-R-E-G-A-M-E 25. And just to show you, I'm serious about keeping it short. On to the show. It's the Super Bowl's over and March Madness is coming edition. Fez, week off. Back next week. You know, he deserved it. Yeah. I mean, let's be candid. He had a lot of pressure on all the different contests. Being famous is high pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get all of the different discounts. Did you guys do any, like, sitting around, you know, looking like you're playing slot machines and getting free drinks? No. No. Scott Seidenberg joins and A.J. Hoffman. So we're going to focus. We're going to do a quickie, an hour or so. And and I think this one we're going to stick to it. But we got some good stuff. We're going to go over the big news in the NFL, anything that's noteworthy. Jimmy G with his performance-enhancing ways, <laughs> for example. I hope it was Rogaine. Wouldn't that be great? If like, be, I don't think Jimmy G needs it. He's no, got, just imagine he's like, oh, I got a little bald spot, and it doesn't. costs him two games. He has a lush mane. But maybe that's why he has a lush mane. Yeah. What is- <laughs> performance-enhancing substances. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, if he was in, that's the like pool. saying Hulk Hogan doesn't need steroids. Look at him; he's jacked. Well, it's chicken or egg, my friend. But no, it's not actually. <laughs> is, is is the absence of hair is what people use Rogaine for? I mean, you didn't get that memo. No. <laughs> but I'm saying maybe he used it. You were, maybe you were he's searching been using it the wrong time. You were searching the wrong. <laughs> Towers, was there a time for those that haven't seen? AJ looks like. Um, who would you say? Like Mr. Clean. Uh, it's very... No, it's not Mr. Clean. <laughs> you look like a like a wrestler type. Like you look like Goldberg in a little way. Like a Goldberg that's really decided he never wants to work out again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> it's like he, he he renounces it for five years. Yeah. He's still got muscle on him. He's still you know thicker, but it's it's like that marbling is getting. <laughs> It's a good word for it. Thank you. It's the kindest word you could use for my uh, my current situation. It's tasty. Well marbled. <laughs> Some would say. Yeah. I mean, come on. You're not that. No. I mean, you're just, you don't look like you're ready to go into the octagon. No. 
Okay. So have, was there any point, when did you start, when did you first notice you were losing your hair? Like age 11? No. Uh, <laughs> it was like probably. Oh, you know the exact moment. It, no, I don't. I mean, it was, but it was probably like uh, 18 years ago. So it's I, giving I, us a riddle. Tw- like 25. Okay. Okay. So you were a young man and yeah. you said, uh oh. Yeah, it just started thinning out. Now, was there anything. Was there anything in the family that made you think, "Oh, I'm gonna, I have no chance"? I mean, my my grandfather was bald, my mom's dad, uh, but I it, I wasn't shocked by it. Okay. I'll say that. All right. Now, at that point, were you troubled by? Did you feel your mortality at age 25? No. Um, Is it when you became more of a Howard Stern hacky type on the radio? I think what I, I an advantage I had was like at that age of my life, I was already like. Uh, doing like a bald fade like so i was keeping my hair very short to begin with oh so you were preparing everyone i didn't even but this is before i even knew it was happening Uh, so maybe subconsciously preparing myself but in a way you think you'd let those locks i mean hogan yeah yeah he had the um he had the real long hair that somehow was stringy like the horseshoe hair like the cul-de-sac mullet (laughs) yes i mean it was i mean and then he put that handkerchief on yeah yeah he somehow pulled it off. I don't, it's unbelievable. It's a great look. It's not. A, it's a terrible look, but it's somehow. For Hogan, it, it was a great look. I mean, that is true. I mean, if you really think about it, for Hogan, that was a good look. Yo, homeboy, welcome to the hood, brother. And Macho Man did the opposite. He tried to maintain what he had on top when the reality was his hair was growing very much like Hogan's. He just t- tried to hold on more. Hogan shaved he, it he, where it looked like a. He had a bandana too, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. If only Propecia was around at this point. Yep. Now, did you ever consider any, um, let's say, performance enhancement? No. Okay. All right, moving on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you're the one that lives with it. Personally, <laughs> I think of all the people, I think there's certain people that look good. Well, there's certain people that look okay. It's like, huh? And then there's others that look ridiculous. I think the r- most ridiculous is the fat guys like Curly or whatever? Who's the goofy Curly thing? from the Stooges? Yeah, the fat guys that 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 have a big double chin and a fleshy face, and they go with the ball. They look like a like serial killer, like Uncle Fester. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think whatever you can do, if it even if it's a horseshoe, you'd want to do that. Is I would think, but you got a good like shaped head for it. So you well, know. if you, if you uh, start going bald, are you going to use performance enhancers, or are you going to just let it go? You know what's funny? There was a time that I was concerned, and it's certainly like my. It's not exactly how it was when I was twenty, but I think I'm at the point where I'm. Fi- you know, did you see? You went into service. Mm-hmm. For me, I, when I was growing up, there was a little hint that you know we could go to war. You know, like Vietnam wasn't. You know, I was eighteen and eighty eight, so you know. You had to do selective service back then, you know, which was just registering. I'm not sure. I don't think they have to do that. They still do. Oh, they still do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, but I, in the back of my mind, I thought I don't want to go to war. You know, I mean, I would have if I did. If I had to, I'd be like, I'm really smart. Can I do something else? You know, I'd have to find a way to. <laughs> but I, at a certain point, it dawned on me I could never get drafted at this point. You know, I don't know if it was like yeah. 32, 30. So then I felt I was home free. Like, Ooh, okay. I think kind of like that. I'm at the age now that even if I start losing it incrementally, it will look normal. Yeah. Right? So I don't think I'll be upset. I mean, I won't welcome, you know, but I don't, I tell you this, and there was a time, I mean, I'll be candid, in my 30s, I took Propecia. Okay. You know, just one a day, and it it stopped it. 
but I haven't taken it for like five, six, seven, eight years. It might be ten. And I haven't really lost. So it's funny. Maybe it stopped it in its tracks and never. I don't know. <laughs> do, do you worry about color, like going gray? Yeah, yeah. Because but Fez has the answers to that. Well, yeah, but it's like <laughs> getting your hair dyed. Like, no, uh, well, I tell you, there's ways to do it. And there's been a time or two I've act, like right when it started with any speckle, I had a you know I have a good uh, stylist. I mean, this is way you know way back. But I said, um, what would you do with this? And he goes, oh. And what happened, like, Fez does it at home. Oh, does he? Yeah, and I think the, I think the, the wife gets ink. <laughs> you know, like, it's something. I mean, very it's, dark. It, it's very, let's say, primitive. Uh -huh. It's very primitive. What, what, what the pros will tell you, so the, my guy is like 100 bucks for a, a, a cut. So, I mean, it's, you know, okay. But he used to, this is wow, he used to date Tom Brady's sister. Ooh. He's from Boston. He's like probably now he's like in his late fifties, but he he's you know he looks younger right, and he's a straight hair you know a lot of hairstylists aren't right yeah. just a fact, but he he's straight and he told me he had a um, uh, a salon at like the Ritz Ritz Carlton in in, in uh, Boston wow like twenty years ago or whatever and it was rocking and rolling. And somehow Tom Brady came in to get his hair. This is before I think Brady was just a backup at this, you know, maybe his first year or two. And then somehow he dated his sister, like only like twice. Okay. But he hung out and watched like I think it was Thanksgiving with Brady or something. But, but it was at the very beginning, right? And um so anyway, the guy had been through, you know, through, you know, he's pedigreed, I guess. And he goes, Oh no, no, no. The thing you do is and he was talking about all the blends and stuff mm -hmm. and how it can look, especially my hair's lighter. It's a lot easier if your hair is lighter, if you want to put a little something in there. If you have black hair. You can't. You can't hide You can't. It. it just, you know, Reagan never had a gray hair. It's true. But he swore on a Bible that he never dyed it. I don't think I've ever seen anyone with, like, black, black hair that doesn't have any gray, like, when they're 70. Doesn't Howard still talk about he doesn't have any grays? Oh, God. Yeah, but it's, no, he's got some grays. He's okay. Got yeah, but he's got the pro coming in and, and dyeing it. He says he's never dyed it. He swears, he swears he's never never died it. Do you believe that? I mean, it's a guy who talks about how small his dick is. I feel <laughs> yeah. like he's pretty open. Like, it, it, that'd be a weird thing to lie about. But remember, this, here's the thing. <laughs> Once he started dating uh, Beth, his ego, it, it changed, right? Yeah. And he wasn't old enough to worry about Gray when he was with his ex-wife. So it does feel like since then, maybe it's a little different. Yeah, but it, you can tell it's like it's lightening up. It's not as dark as it used to be. But that's what a pro's going to do. Is sure, it, sure. They're not going to make it look like, like a natural. Yeah. Like dyed in ink. Plus, like technology nowadays, they got shampoos for a lot of stuff. You don't even have to go to a salon. It, it, they have well, color-keeping shampoos and whatnot. No, but, but hold on. The color-keeping shampoos is if you have a color job done, it will keep, it won't, like, rinse it out. It's not, you know, like a, if a woman... Or, or whatever, if a guy, I mean, I'm sure Fez uses, wouldn't it be funny if he just used some, like, hardcore shampoo and it just over his Well, if he came in with, like, the Rudy Giuliani drip coming down his forehead. <laughs> but but I, I got to tell you something, is to me, well, I mean, back to Howard for a second, he got plastic surgery, right? He, I mean, that was the big, remember when they went to Sirius and it was like, it was the secret show and everyone had to tell a secret, like, the first episode? And his secret was he got plastic surgery. What kind of surgery? I can't remember. Was it his nose a little bit, maybe? You want to look that up? Um, he had liposuction underneath the chin. Okay. Yeah. That's it? I think that's what it says. Yeah. Huh, okay. In 2006, but, he admitted he had cosmetic surgery. Exactly, yeah. 
You guys are supposed to be fans of this show. I, I haven't listened in a while. Scott well, listens every day. This was 2006. Still. Yeah. yeah. I, I, just, I, don't, I don't have the memory you have. You remember <laughs> that's everything. That's before my uh, hardcore listening. Except I can't, I can't remember like quarterbacks' names. But I, I know. It's, it's weird. I mean, you remember, so you'll be like, you remember that movie? And then you'll get like, right after this happened, I'm like, I don't know how you possibly remember that. But you do sometimes with games. You're like, yeah. I, you, we'll talk about a game from three years ago. And you're like, oh, yep, I remember that. They won by three. And I, you and Fez both have this recall of games that... It's fascinating to what, me. What, what I do that sh- is shocking is I'll watch a TV show I haven't seen for 20, 25 years. Like an episode of Dallas, which I used to you know, love and watch. And I've probably seen it seven or eight times over the years, but it's been 10, 20 years. And I'll know exactly, like in the, in the middle of the episode, there'll be a beat where they stop and I'll know exactly what they're going to say. And it's like, I never thought of it since, but it's like there's something, that, there is something verbally that, that the patterns make sense to me. Yeah. But that's why I can't stand people that aren't good. Like, I was watching YouTube videos on AI just trying to keep up. And there was one guy that was so bad. I was like, I was almost like, he could be telling me next day's lottery numbers. I don't want to listen. To <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, speaking of the next day's lottery numbers, let's start with the Jimmy G story. It is kind of fun the idea that he is enhancing his performance, but he played so poorly, more <laughs> interceptions than touchdowns. But the rumor is, rumor, mm-hmm. allegedly, it's Adderall. Yeah, that's what the assumption is mm-hmm. across the NFL landscape. Because <laughs> the report is is that the violation is related to using a prescribed medication without having the NFL's what they call therapeutic use exemption. And this has happened before with other players that tested positive for Adderall, where it was prescribed by a doctor, whether it was for ADHD or for other purposes, and the NFL didn't know about it or never approved it, and so those players served suspensions. The fact that it's just two games makes me think that that's what it is. You know what this reminds me of? If you don't mind, AJ, look up. The Steelers had a big tight end. I mean, this dude was like 6'6 and ran like a 4'5" maybe seven or eight years ago, that got an Adderall suspension. And he ended up getting out of the league. And he was one – I just want to see his – he was one of the most athletically gifted players I've ever seen. And it's so funny. The thing we don't understand, I think, enough is how if you're not an A person, if you're a roster filler, Mm -hmm. there's so much that's either luck or it's – one mistake, one mistake, and they don't want to bother with you anymore. Because, you know, it's replaceable, right? If, if there's a Subway sandwich shop that you, that's across the street and you see the guy doesn't wash his hands, right? Do you go to the – now, if there's no other Subway in town and you love Subway, maybe you go in and try to say, hey, wash your hands. But, but if there's another one right across the street, you just go to that one. It does feel like a guy like – did you – his name pop? No, I, Google's not working for me. Uh, it's like this. It says this site can't be reached. Google can't be reached. That's crazy. Uh, Steelers, Wesley Saunders. Yeah, that sounds right. Like, pull up his like stats. Like, not his stats, but his uh, like his is. Uh, if we can get his like uh, six five two fifty four. Yeah, and this dude. I mean, what did he run in the combine? If you can find it, and it's so. I mean, they they were like, they were like bringing him along. It was like a project, and then he got that one. You know, he, he Adderall and boom, never. Play, I don't think he ever played again. He uh, ended up playing for the Colts 
It looks like. Oh, it, I remember they did take, but it was like three or four games, right? Uh, no, he played for the Colts for uh, for three seasons. Oh, and, wow. and then he went to the Birmingham Iron of the Alliance of American Football, which I think was Fez's expert league, <laughs> if you remember. It, it says here he had a combine nightmare from broken bones to botched paperwork. Everything went wrong for Wesley Saunders during his NFL combine. <laughs> that 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 goes. I mean, it sounds like Herbert's combine. <laughs> <laughs> But wouldn't it be funny if he said, but he did better in the interviews than her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why he started taking Leader Adderall. Of men. Couldn't fill out the paperwork. So Jimmy G is going to be a good backup, or, or at least a, I think he'll be a good backup. I also think he'll be a, a in-demand backup. It does open the – I mean, he probably 95% won't be with the Raiders. There is a huge question mark, and we'll be getting into the draft here soon. Who's the quarterback for the Raiders? Because – Last year's rookie, not good. No. Not good. I mean, like, bad. I would think that they would be in the market to draft one. Um, There's too many teams. I thought about the Justin Fields aspect of it because the, his, the Bears offensive coordinator is now the new Raiders offensive coordinator. So I thought maybe that there was something that they okay, would, you know, okay. Luke, Luke Getze. Uh-huh. I thought maybe that there was something there that – But could, does, does Justin Fields seem like someone that if he's at a distance you can talk yourself into or yeah. someone that with intimacy you you respect and appreciate more? I think the distance works. Mm-hmm. Raiders have the 13th pick. Yeah, I don't – It's going to be hard to get – Well, see, that's the question is a lot of people – and again, here's the thing about the draft you got to understand. And this doesn't make a ton of sense, but it's just true. Most coaches, head coaches, have a say, and so do other people who are focused on the season during the season. A scout is focused on the draft all through the season, right? But the head coach, you think Tomlin's watching tape after week 13 uh, of college players? No. no. So what happens is the the year ends, the combine happens, and then these coaches start watching tape. And, uh, you know, VPs that have a say or whatever start watching tape. And then you see all these changes, and people think, oh, look, he's darting up the draft board. Well, yeah, but it's driven by the new voices in the room, right? So if you see someone that was supposed to go end of the first that go is now projected to go 12th, it means the new voices were a fan, right? And they thought this guy's good. They they were behind. And if it goes the other way, it's the other conversation. It's not so much the people that's been watching him the whole time reconsidered. It's the new voices. Does that resonate? Yeah. Do you, for the, from a Raiders perspective, though, do you think that they, because they just hired Antonio Pierce, right? They're not going to fire him after year one. Well, Raiders have a history. Yeah, I, of- I, well, I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> Are they more inclined to? Get have a stopgap measure or draft a quarterback and allow them to develop rather than throwing into the fire or maybe giving Aiden O'Connell more time to develop. And, and what I mean by stopgap is signing somebody to, to start, whether it's like Jacoby Brissett or, uh, you know, a Teddy Bridgewater type, you know, like somebody like that that can, step in, that can step in and be the starting quarterback for a year without committing to the future. I, I think that if anyone – any team that needs a quarterback thinks that the guy is there that they want, they're going to take him. The question is, are you going to overreach? And I think you're probably right that they won't overreach out of desperation. But here's, but here's the last question I have quickly is, the, when's the last time the Raiders were winning big? So to some degree, they've made the playoff or they made the playoffs a couple years ago in a fluky way, mm-hmm. but they was one and done. You just got to wonder. It's like how many more kind of – 
you know, semi rebuilds, does Vegas, does the fans want to endure? Raiders haven't gone to the playoffs in back to back years since 01 02. Well, they, I think they've only gone to the playoffs like two times since 01 02, yeah. right? Uh, yep, two times. <laughs> yeah. So the odds are they're going to be back to back. Yeah. No, I mean, that's bad. So, and that's when they, they lost a Super Bowl. So that's the, the mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. talking, we're talking Rich, Rich Cannon. Cannon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, it goes to show you, though, the Raiders hadn't made the playoffs since, what, 2003 or whatever, when they made it a couple years ago? No, uh, it was 2016. 20, then, right? Yeah, 2016. Oh, so twice then, because they made it the year that Carr got hurt his rookie or second year when he, had, he was having a really good year. And then he got hurt, and then they had to have a backup in the playoffs. I remember that now. Um, all right. Well, that changes my conversation. The point I was going to make is after so long, you would think just making the playoffs would excite people. But if, you, if you're like the Steelers this year that made – or Steelers a couple times in the last few years make it, but there's no sense they have any chance to win anything, fans don't really care. Like, look at the Bears. The Bears made the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, twice – under, and I always forget his name, the Kansas City coach. Uh, Matt Nagy. Yeah, Nagy is, they made it twice. Mm-hmm. And still, they were ready, but it was like nine and eight or eight and eight. What? Eight and eight, they made the playoffs in 2020, and they were 12 and four in uh, Nagy's first year and made the playoffs and lost in the wildcard. Just think about that. So 12 and four, mm-hmm. then the third year, they make the playoffs, and they couldn't wait to get him out of town. Yeah, he only got one more year after that. So yeah. think about that. He made the playoffs. The following year goes six and eleven and is fired. And and the, he was almost going to get fired. Like if he didn't make the playoffs that that yeah, year, yeah, they yeah. were going to yeah. fire him. So it's like there's I don't know what causes that. And then uh, like then you hear people. Well, Mitch Trubisky caused it. <laughs> no, but if anything, Trub- he didn't choose Trubisky, right? I mean, if he inherited Trubisky. Yeah. yeah. So so now you're figuring here's a bust. The Steelers are even cutting loose of as a backup. Mm-hmm. And the fact he made the playoffs twice with them. Yeah, it does say a lot. <laughs> I mean, when I was covering the Texans, it was the Texans won like four out of five years. They made the playoffs, and you were saying he wasn't a good coach. But 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 you know what? Maybe it's like me what you're saying because it felt like they never had a chance to do anything other than just be there. But here's the thing, AJ, you've never had a team that had a chance. You had the Bills. So oh, went to you, four Super Bowls in a row. Weren't you used to it? Four Super Bowls in a row. Thirty years ago, but they, they weren't. They didn't have a chance. No other team's done it against the Giants. They didn't even have a chance. They did. They they, won, they lost by one point. <laughs> Wide right. <laughs> well, that's mean. Yeah. I, I was talking about this year. Uh, so. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so <laughs> if we think about this as a game of musical, and if you want more of that repartee straight out of Vegas AM. <laughs> And I love it. I want less of it, honestly. <laughs> I know. But <laughs> you go, asshole. <laughs> you sound like, like Deputy Dog or something. <laughs> asshole. <laughs> All right. So I think the thing to think about with the quarterbacks is musical chairs. There's only so many viable. Now, who knows, right? Could be a third rounder that's good. But viable quarterbacks. And other than Kirk Cousins, I mean, what's the free agent market look like? Thin. Ryan Tannehill. Thin. Joe Flacco. Well, I gotta be honest with you. I, I mean, for you want to yeah. talk about stopgap for the Raiders. Flacco is fifty times better last year. I mean, first of all, the fact that he somehow won the comeback player of the year against Hamlin tells you how good yeah. he was. So quarterbacks you got Cousins, Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett, Trubisky, Tyrod Taylor, Mariota, Sam Darnold, Drew Locke. Baker, but Baker's going to sign with the. Mm-hmm. You already know that. Um, well, yeah, likely. Yeah, Minshew. Brinch- uh, Minshew is. 
Read that list one more time quickly. Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill. All right, I'm thinking, is Minshew going to be second on this? Go ahead. Jacoby Brissett. Ooh, that's close, but I still go Minshew. Trubisky. Yeah. Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. Mariota. Yeah. Sam Darnold. Ooh. Drew Locke. Ooh. Baker. Uh-huh. No, Gard- he's, he's, yeah, we're not going to include yeah, yeah. Gardner Minshew uh-huh. uh, mentioned. Teddy Bridgewater. Uh-huh. Tyler Huntley. Uh-huh. Flacco. Dobbs. Ooh, that's interesting. Minshew or Flacco? Josh Dobbs. CBS Sports ranked the top 10 free agent quarterbacks this season. Read it in order. Number one. Quickly. uh, Number one, Kirk Cousins. Number two. You don't do Casey Kasem? You want me to do it that way? Well, now you've already done one, though. Yeah, you're right. Number two, Baker. Number three, Ryan Tannehill. So Cousins over Baker. I accept that. Three, Tannehill. I'm not sure about that. Go ahead. Number four, Minshew. Uh, I disagree. I put Tannehill below him. Number five, Brissett. I agree with that. Number six, Wentz. (laughs) <laughs> no, I you know listen on the field again. Go back to that coach year. I would and he played well when he played the one game. If if the locker room thing is t- covered, I I like him more in Minshew. Uh, number seven, Winston. Well, let's think about this. He's the second best quarterback in that group. If you take Baker out, it's only behind Cousins. I mean, think about it. If as far you, as upside goes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at his last four, I mean, I guess again, Washington seemed to have no one could perform there. It seems. Now, what is the story? Now he's not on the. He might be on the market, but the quarterback. What was it? How from Washington? Sam How. I gotta be. I'm gonna make a prediction. What day? What's the day? It's the 22nd, 22nd. of February. I have a premonition. How is gonna have a career similar? To Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic. Really? That's what I'm predicting. They're like the opposite of players. Well, how so? Like Fitzpatrick is a uh, gunslinger. Oh yeah, but he's not a uh, he's not a mistake maker. He's no, like, he is a mistake. I mean, if you look at it, he's always had more inter- just because he went to Harvard. You're confused about maybe. that. I mean, if you look at his interception counts, it's like he is like a, a slinger. Wouldn't you agree, Scott? Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. He comes across otherwise. But he's he's feast or famine, or he was. Remember, he was retired for like a year and a half, and Festo had him number fourteen in mm-hmm. his quarterback ratings. Christ, he had twenty three <laughs> interceptions one year. Yeah, he's like Winston. Him and Winston. Jeez. Yeah, with for Buffalo, he had twenty three interceptions. You should have remembered I that. The, Six and ten. It all blurs together. Uh, yeah, a lot of <laughs> shitty quarterbacks. <laughs> but here's the interesting part to me. So I think they're similar. I think that's his career. He probably goes to four or five teams. But he's gonna. I think he's better than Minshew. I, I, not right this second, but he will be. That's my prediction. I could see that because I tell he's you, he's got a lot of tools for if, sure. If you read, if you read about Week Ten, it was like they got a quarterback. That was the narrative out there. They got a and then the O line went to crap. He was getting sacked like crazy, and then it was like a couple interceptions, and all of a sudden he's horrible. I don't think so. Winston, then Flacco. Taylor, Tyra Taylor, and Drew Locke is 10. Oh. Well, having Flacco, first of all, if you're picking up a free agent, you don't, you're not worried about longevity. Yeah. So the idea that Flacco is like seven or eight nullifies the validity of that list. I don't disagree. I mean, because just for one year, would you rather, ha- like right now, would you rather have Gardner Minshew or Joe Flacco? I think it's Joe Flacco. Well, that one's close, but I mean, the co- read the couple people ahead of Flacco uh, Wince, Winston, and then Flacco's eighth. All right, but how about but right before that? Uh, Winston Wentz. Brissett was five. Yeah. Minshew, four. Tannehill, three. 
I'm not sure Tannehill shouldn't be eight or nine. I mean, what? Yeah, we I saw nothing. Joe Flacco was better last year than Ryan Tannehill. Oh, he was better than Tannehill probably in his best year, to be <laughs> yeah. honest. But, but yeah, and and I don't think that Houston game invalidated the year. There, there was one bad interception, and, and another was kind of fluky, and that was it. I mean, you're going to throw some interceptions, uh, especially if you're Joe Flacco. I just want him to – I almost want him to make the Hall of Fame, but I don't. <laughs> I don't. Well, if he wins one more Super Bowl. Uh, I would have one more MVP. All right. So can, let's keep going with the topics. By the way, we're going to be doing a college basketball primer, kind of a catch-up. It's like, oh, you missed – some of you guys have missed the class, and now we're coming towards the final exams. Well, we're going to tutor you, or at least AJ is. I didn't know – I don't know what's going on. I thought Dean Smith, is he still at North Carolina? No, he's retired, believe it or not. Dean Smith? Yeah. Well, at least Coach K is still there. No, also retired. Bobby Knight? Also retired. Also dead. Oh. His blood Dean Smith, too. I I mean, (laughs) Coach K is still alive, though, as far as I know. It is funny how in this transfer portal, the uh, payment of the players – it does feel like we've lost. I mean, you think about Saban, he makes the playoffs and he leaves. Coach K still, you know, still was what? Top five Probably, program. Yeah. He leaves. I'm not saying that that they're not going to retire at some point. It does seem coincidental, though. And then you got like Boston College coach going, you yeah. know, to be a, be a coordinator. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, would you say, in hindsight, people regret the direction that college sports has gone? Meaning the decision makers. Sure, but it was. I don't think they could have stopped it. Well, they could have. They, I mean, the Supreme Court made a decision, but there's a lot of ways they could have framed it that would have passed, would have been in, um, in accordance with that ruling. I, I think the the NIL stuff was inevitable. I think what they do regret is letting the transfer situation be so loose, like letting guys transfer multiple but they just, times. But they just ramped that up. Yeah. It, it was one time, one addition, right? And then just in the last, what, year? Yep. So how, it doesn't seem like they regretted that. Oh, I think they do regret it. They regret it now just in the last year. Yeah. Here's the thing I heard. Why not make the NIL be a contract that has to be submitted. See, I enjoy that. And then say you have to stay with the program for X amount of years. I'm not even sure about that. But what I'm hearing is, and tell me if you guys agree with this, a lot of these NILs are just BS. They'll say, we're going to pay you X, Y, Z, whatever. And then they just don't pay it. The guy doesn't play as well. and You know, something that's changed. And what's the kid? I mean, I hear... It's a recourse. I think that... um, Who's the guy that's on Rosillo that he writes the quarterback? He wrote the quarterback book. He's like one of the real best writers in college football. Uh, not Joel Klatt, but the um, who's the main, main writers in college football? College football expert, AJ. I don't know. Stuart Mandel? No, no, keep going. You don't know who the big writers are in college football? No, I don't know who's considered the big ones. Well, the guys that have books on the New York Times bestseller. Uh, Bruce Feldman? That's it. Yeah. Okay. You know what's funny? Years ago, like 10-plus years ago, Feldman was retweeting my stuff all the time. He was the only guy, every time he retweeted it, he'd reach out by DM and say, what's your source on this? Like he was so conscientious mm-hmm. about even retweets, which in theory, from gambling, you'd think, oh, people are just going to go wild yeah. with it. He literally, I mean, like, the only publication that ever did that amount of background was the New York Times. Literally, even the Wall Street Journal 
would never, like, you know, they, they'd get a press release and write an article about it or whatever, right? New York Times, anytime they would do anything, they'd call up and get you on the phone and say, can you verify this? Can you verify that? Bruce Feldman was the second most conscientious New York <laughs> Times than Bruce Feldman. So, I mean, again, I, I, I think he didn't want to get caught doing something, you know, wrong, meaning, meaning incorrect. And, again, he's done very well. But he was on Rosillo saying he thinks it's about 20% of the NILs go the way that they're claimed to go, and 80 don't. Mm. So if that's true, and I, I think he's, again, conscientious about the truth, just by having the contracts have to be somehow submitted and then be enforced because they've been submitted would, I think, diminish this greatly if there is so much fraud going on, which would then diminish the incentive to leave because yeah. it's, it's a big pot of gold that isn't going to be there most of the time. All right, I just solved college football. And ba- I mean, yeah. pa- pass that to the authorities. I'll let them know. <laughs> All right, what, Scott, what's the next biggest story you think in the NFL? I would say uh, quarterback carousel, meaning where is Russell Wilson going to end up? Where is Justin Fields going to end up? So Wilson wasn't on that list, but we know he's probably on the way out of yes. Denver. Okay. Yes, and there are odds out there right now. Uh, Bet Online has the next team for Russell Wilson, the favorite at minus 200, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, on his podcast said, quote, a little birdie told him that Russell Wilson is going to be a Steeler. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> I mean, I guess Denver's going to be paying. I mean, I don't know how the money would go. They'd have to pay a large yeah. amount of it. Here's the question. On that list, take out Baker Mayfield and, and, and put in Russell Wilson. Where's he at on the list? Number one. No, Kirk Cousins is better than Russell Wilson. Kirk Cousins is better than Russell Wilson, healthy, yeah, coming off the Achilles. That's true. So you put Russell Wilson first. I think I'd still put Kirk Cousins first. But, but Wilson second. Yeah. That's interesting. He's getting a year older, sluggish, logie. Would you rather have Russell Wilson or Baker Mayfield? Oh, I'd rather Baker Mayfield. Just because Baker's uh, Baker was loved in Cleveland. It's kind of funny how... In hindsight, we don't think. I mean, you agree with that? I mean, he, yeah. His Baker team, kind of got a raw deal because of the Deshaun because Deshaun Watson became. Well, he got a raw deal because he played through like tough as nails. He had like a harness on playing, yeah, yeah. and that, he's yeah. going to sign. It's going to be at least a four year deal. He's going to sign with Tampa. You think? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was rumors around the Super Bowl that uh, there was a conversation caught on an open mic where he was speaking to somebody and he was talking about. Like planting roots, like mm. in the conversation. Maybe he was smart enough to have that open mic yeah, be, yeah, yeah, yeah. on purpose. It was like in the background of like Gronk talking with like Kay Adams or something. But and, they could and, set that up. Think about it. <laughs> Baker's like in the background talking with somebody. He's like, "Yeah, I love it there." You know, it's it's going to be nice to set roots and something. Like he that. was the number one pick. I mean, those. I mean, I'm not saying that means he has the tools. The question is, you know, I again. I don't think it's a debate. He, Baker Mayfield is better than Deshaun Watson at this point. It's not even close. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess he's just laughing and laughing. Even when Cleveland thought they finally got it right, they got it wrong. <laughs> and, <laughs> that, that is a cursed quarterback franchise. And, and let's not forget how much that – how much Deshaun Watson's been injured 
even I mean he got hurt his rookie year. You mm-hmm. probably remember he got he started out like he didn't start to like week six or something. And then if I remember, and then he went crazy, like was running for 150 yards. I mean he was, and then boom the knee. Right, yeah. like what week fourteen? Well, he started. He, Did well, he start week one? No, they. Uh, it was Brian Hoyer because mm-hmm. they acted like it, he. Bill O'Brien was like, oh, I, I, I got to go with who I trust, and mm-hmm. it, he started Brian Hoyer week one, and at halftime he put Deshaun in. Oh, it was and that I, early. Okay. Everyone knew that like he <laughs> he should have Deshaun should have been the guy anyway, and it took one half, and Bill O'Brien was like. All right, I was full of shit. It's him. Yeah. I mean, that is quick. Did they win that game? <laughs> uh, I think so. And what did he get hurt though? Like in eight, he only played like eight or yeah, so. Yeah, he games. got hurt midway through the season. So he got hurt there. He got hurt last year. I mean, and plus he's got like four knee injuries now. Those tend to get worse, you know. Thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, yeah, your NFL career is yes, over. It's over. I'm done. <laughs> the dream is dead. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be in the movies. No. You're not going <laughs> to. All right. We are the dream preview. AJ Hoffman. He, he, I knew him for two years and he told me he wanted to be a comedian. Never heard of a funny thing. <laughs> Scott Seidenberg. Fed's back next week, taking a well deserved week off. A staycation, apparently. He's got all these Caesars points. What's he going to oh do? Oh, my gosh. And then if, if that fails, just sit by the high-stakes machines and act yeah, like you're playing. Yeah, free just drink. Like, just pan, pantomime it. Just go <laughs> like that and make the noise go. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. Like, like, like sour shoes. You can do that. <laughs> All right. Next story. What do you got, AJ? Uh, I mine was kind of related. It was the quarterbacks thing, oh but God. mine's the draftable quarterbacks. And the, the latest mock draft that came out for NFL.com Four quarterbacks in the top eight picks, which, I mean, obviously that means there's a lot of teams unhappy with their situation. So who, who's the four? Uh, it's K- uh, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, and J.J. McCarthy. All right, so that's the LSU quarterback and the Michigan quarterback? Yes. So the, the Washington quarterback isn't on that list? No, Michael Penix. But he, he probably played, I mean, is it fair to say he was the best college player? He was one of yeah, him and Jane Jane Daniels, Daniels won the Heisman, yeah. but a lot of people thought Michael Pinnock should have won the Heisman. Yeah, okay. But uh, the best college passer then. Yeah. Okay. Um what what are the con- I mean what injury concerns? Yes. With Panic? Yep. And what was he he was at a Big 10 school first, right? Indiana, Indiana, yeah. Okay. So it's just in, in but that's it, just injury concerns. Yeah, he blew out the knee, right? Or whatever, yeah. When he was, and he was a running quarterback before he got hurt, and then he completely changed his game. Well, I mean, here's a concept that you're going to be hearing again and again and again, hopefully not here, you know, being rep, with repetition. But the defense, the NFL is so advanced at this point. If you can't run when you're trying to learn the game, the theory is you got to run in year one, year two, a little less, year three. By year four, you're there, right? Year mm-hmm. three even. But the Tom Brady's of the world – you know, even the the Jared Goffs of the world are held in less esteem now because it's so hard to just be a pure passer and not have that bridge that your feet give you as a quarterback. I think it makes a lot of point. So if he's injured and it hurts his mobility, now all of a sudden it's a steeper hill, a steeper hill to climb to get to the point of year four or year yeah, three. Yeah, I mean, he's by most mocks, he's the fifth quarterback. Being taken in the draft, okay, and he's, he's probably tor- not a first round. He's torn his ACL twice, and he's also twenty four years old. Yeah, see that to me, the question is, 
Oh, you dream? I'm like, how many times do you draft someone and they play till they're 38? Mm-hmm. Right? right? So your theory is you might have two, a year and a half or two less years at that point? It's not my theory. No, no, it's just but, a... but well, here's where I think the youth, and, the, and I listen to a lot of draft stuff. So, I mean, this is just regurgitated, you know, from best practices or, or consensus, is if a guy can perform at a young age, so he's a running back, and let's say he started as a freshman and then he has a good sophomore year, good junior year. Now, yeah, you get more time with him in theory, at least in, with running backs until they're 27 or 28, right? But it's also he was able to dominate as a kid against men, against people that were maybe not men, but a couple years older, right? So Adrian Peterson's like the guy, like yeah. people, people said Adrian Peterson as a freshman in college could have played in the NFL. And, and that, yeah, that's a good point. And, and, and those are the examples of saying, okay, physically they didn't, they had a disadvantage, at least age wise, and they still dominated. Now the opposite is if you're a D end or something and you're 24, now you're a man and you're playing against boys and those that performance doesn't mean as much. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much a lack of time. It's more what was the context of their performance in college. At quarterback, I don't really see it. It's not a physical. I mean, it's physical, but it's not like super yeah. strong. So to me, yeah, if you had a little bit more time and learned, learned how to you know uh, dissect the defense, whatever, to me, I'm just happy the guy's learning. Right, so in a weird way, I don't see any like young. Let's think about it. who's been the biggest bust. Quarterbacks had one year; they were young, and you know, after like the third year, they get drafted. All right, Sam Darnold, and it doesn't feel like that works near as much. It's Trubisky, yeah, yeah, and it, that's partially too not having enough proof of their performance because it's just the one year. I don't think that. I mean, in fact, let's think about it. It wasn't like Brady. I mean, let's think of the best quarterbacks of the last twenty years. Which one of them came into the league really young? You know, like, like you know, off a third year kind of thing. I would say none of them, right? I mean, Peyton Manning waited. Yep. Nothing jumps out at me. It certainly is more pedigreed, length of snap, or number of snap quarterbacks. So that doesn't bother. Now, listen, the one guy that Detroit drafted, right, this year. Hinton Hooker. Uh, he came off and he had an ACL right his his last year of college. No, but was that something where he had multiple injuries on that? No. Knee? Okay, so again, Detroit pretty smart. It seems that these these days drafting the quarterbacks are playing later. Now, listen, you look at Russell Wilson. As much as Brady at forty four wasn't old, you know, obviously Russell Wilson is breaking down or at least slowing down a little bit. Yeah. So I, I'm not saying the years aren't good, but. The question is, how much of the college performance is it's just a different kind of offense that isn't going to be able to be replicated in the NFL? That's often the case with like the um, run and shoot style or the um, air raid style stuff. But th- but then the, if it's that, I'm worried. I I don't want to get like the Heisman Trophy winner that isn't ready for the pros or isn't going to be ready for the pros. But if it's just an age issue and one injury. Unless there's something debilitating about that injury, I'd rather take a shot in the third round or even, you know, let's say a guy that would be, I mean, if you had a bet right now, Penix, does he go in the first? I would make a major, I don't even know what the odds are. I would bet he does. I think someone's going to think late in the first, take a chance on him. He seems like the kind of guy to take a chance. I, th- I think, yeah, somebody will. In the trend like, especially line, because they're, those the first four quarterbacks are going to go so fast. 
I mean, there's so many teams that need one. Somebody will trade up. Some somebody will want that. They'll want that extra year. So yeah, I, th- I think he'll go. I'm R.J. Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas and they got a water bottle and they got like a celery chopped up. And let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1, and all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against with pick six? You're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. I hear serious draft people say there's only two first-round quarterbacks here. So not saying that's what's going to happen, but saying they're grades. Coming into the year, that was kind of the 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 thought process. And Jaden Daniels had the year he had. He moved into the conversation. I think, I think most people thought J.J. McCarthy wasn't going to come out this year. And now he's like a top 10 prospect. So, um, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. And, and I'll, I'll be honest – I'm lower on the two guys that probably have first-round grades than I was coming into this season. Like, both of them, their stock went down this season. Okay. So, you both of them? Yeah. Okay. Caleb well, Williams' stock definitely went down this year. Now, how much of it is touchy-feeling narrative stuff? Like, oh, he yeah. wrote something on his fingernails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of that. But, but there's a lot of that going around. The question is, with AJ, for example, or the serious draft people, how much is that the influence? And Because, I mean, he's still a big favorite to go number one. Yes. Is that the case? I mean, obviously a stat. I mean, what is the cause of your downgrade on Williams? A lot of it is what you're talking about, but a lot of it was statistically he just wasn't as good this season. Um, so, But I do, I do think like him not 
not being a leader, like that, that kind of worries me. Like the, this, the, I mean, you talk about you make fun of Justin Herbert a lot about is this a guy you want leading your team? Some of the behavior that yeah, Caleb, it does seem like you don't care about leadership. Some of the, some of the behavior that he displayed when things went bad at USC this year makes me go, Oof, is that is that the kind of guy you want? Yeah, I just think I know they get paid millions, so it, you know they can deal with it. But it's so I would not at twenty years old or whatever he is, I would not have wanted to be judged. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. let's think about you uh, when in the service when you were, uh, you know, a few nights when you were 20. But you know what? How often is it? does it tell you what's going to happen? Like Johnny Manziel, you could say, well, you don't want to judge these guys when they're in college. Well, Johnny Manziel was the same guy when he got out of college. Yeah. Well, we it's, it's, it's different <laughs> if, if something is an exception. I mean, if you judge a person on their worst night, and that's what's sad if there is a true crime committed. If it's a murder, your worst night affects your whole life. Yeah. Not only affects it, it destroys your life. But if it's a kid who, you know, uh, got a little upset, who knows what, having trouble at home, his dad's overbearing, it seems. I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I generally am a skeptic of the next big thing. So I'm, I'm not like really a fan, but it does feel like there's a lot of like almost like culture wars going on about is he old school, you know, versus is he new age? I don't know. I think it's coach dependent on, you know, what, the NFL coach's philosophy is. Um, remember the Parcells rules, mm-hmm. right? The Parcells rules for drafting a quarterback. Three-year starter, senior in college, graduated, started 30 games, 123, and two-to-one touchdown interception ratio, completed 60% of passes thrown. There's one guy in this draft that Michael, qualifies. Michael Penix? No. Bo Nix. Oh, Okay. Hmm. Who was who's a Parcells disciple? That's now a head coach in the market for a quarterback. Sean Payton. Ooh, Bo Nix to the Denver Broncos in the first round. No, probably in the second round, maybe third round. Well, what's where's Nick supposed to go? Let's see. Now that's interesting. Yeah, Bo Nix draft. I wonder Stock. if there's any place where like with something. I mean. That'd be great if you could bet like a twenty to one or whatever, like the exact you know slot that someone go. I haven't seen that. I mean, first, second, third picks, yeah. Uh, Kobe would say first round, mid to late first round. Okay, so the pick would be all right. So that's interesting. Let's see if there's odds on Knicks. Yeah, that's interesting because there's a couple ways to get at that. You could have like five quarterbacks in the first, if if he'd be the fifth, right? And you could bet his over under. You know, wherever Denver is, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. Justin Fields. Now, he's not on that list. Where's he go on the list? By the way, Bo Nix, the odds up on DraftKings to be selected by which team? Broncos are the favorite, plus 350. Damn. He just looked at the odds and said, hey, I got a theory. I, <laughs> no, I just saw the odds now. Uh, you admitted it. But, but I, would still pl- I, would, I would still play it at plus 350. Wow. It feels like I mean I think two weeks ago on the pod we talked about uh, this and he, he it was Fields to the Steelers was the big rumor mm-hmm. that seems to have died down a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, Russell but Wilson and Fields maybe. I, I don't know what this. I mean, it, it seems like the the Bears are going to move on from him, but Bears fans are so adamant about this. Like there is a lot of that support. There is a big pushback from the fan base, and I don't know if the Bears are the kind of franchise who can just say you guys just shut up. Like we're going to do what we think is right because they they don't have a history of doing the right thing. But, that's true. But, that's but true. from a franchise standpoint, and RJ, you talk about the lottery ticket aspect all the time. You know what you have in Justin Fields. Caleb Williams is unscratched. Mm-hmm. Don't you? Isn't that better for you to have? 
Well, here's the question. And my story was going to be a conversation about the Saints and how they just um, did a restructure and it's like they saved $8 million, but I think it was with their center. And it's like, think about the Saints. If you're a fan of the Saints and you are asked, how much have the Saints tried to win? The answer has to be the most that any team could try. They spend a bunch of money, like like cash flow money. Mm-hmm. They do restructuring, which means commitment to guys maybe they don't want to make commitments to. And still, it's to maybe make the playoffs you know, ever since Breeze. Before, it was maybe win a title, right? But they didn't say, we'll take a year or two off. Even the Rams, who did well and made the playoffs, they financially got themselves straight last year. Saints say, no, we want to max our chances every yep. year. But to some degree, doing that minimizes your chance of winning the Super Bowl. And as a fan, as a Jets fan, for example, Scott, you've got a maybe a biased opinion because you haven't made the playoffs since <laughs> Moses was in short pants, as they say. But, but would you rather the Jets have a chance at the Super Bowl every fourth year? Or would you rather them make the playoffs three out of four years, but not have that real chance at the Super Bowl? I think uh, for, from my perspective as a Jets fan, I'd like them to be in the playoffs every year because I've never experienced that. But <laughs> I've, I've, I've had this de- – well, it's been a long time. But I've had this debate on just regular sports radio for years is that if you had the choice of one championship and then nine years of complete mediocrity – or ten or ten consecutive years of perennial powerhouse, but you don't win it. No championships guaranteed. Like or or say no championships at all. What do you choose? And some fans, it's like I'll do anything to get. I guess a Jet fan, I'll do anything to get that one Super mm-hmm. Bowl championship. Mm-hmm. But there's something about a fan base knowing every single year your team is competitive. You're going to be in the playoffs. You're going to have game. You're going to have yeah. a winning season every year. But there is a difference if it feels like you're doing it in a way that hinders your chance. In theory, the, every time you make the playoffs, there's another chance to win the Super Bowl. But it's not really for some – like Pittsburgh has made decisions to stay decent, to keep – I don't think especially for the Tomlin thing, but to keep Tomlin with a winning record, but they've minimized the chance of winning a Super Bowl because they haven't allowed themselves to rebuild. But Would you rather, would you be, rather have the last 10 years of the Steelers or the last 10 years of the Rams? That's the question, yes. Well, Because the Ram, well, I'm trying to find a team that won one title, but the Rams have been relevant besides that, but – Pittsburgh is different. And the Jets and Pittsburgh are actually, if you think about it, on two different ends of the spectrum. All right, would you rather have winning championships? Yeah. Would you rather have the last, let's call it six, all of Josh Allen's tenure with the Buffalo Bills or the same time span with the Rams? What would you rather have? Well, I would certainly not want the Bills just because it's been heartbreaking. I mean, like, I think in hindsight, we're going to look back to that 13 seconds and say yeah. that broke that team. But I'm trying to give I mean, an example of a team that's in seconds. it. I'm trying, oh, to give, <laughs> trying to give an example of a team that's in it every year. Yeah, no, I understand. I and understand. is a favorite every year Yeah, well, that, versus a team that won one, one title. With Pittsburgh's, I'm a ring counter, so I probably would rather just have the ring. But if I'm engaged like I am, so, like, I <laughs> – to me, and I'm telling you, when Pittsburgh plays Steeler football, I mean, it sounds goofy. I don't. I would rather them go nine and eight playing Steeler football than doing something else. Like to me, the last couple of years with Big Ben before he got hurt was some of the biggest waste I've ever seen. I mean, this team never made a Super Bowl after uh, twelve, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think it was twelve against Green Bay, and Big Ben was a top three or four quarterback until he got hurt. 
And they had great defense. Every year they were a top five team. They never could get. And to me, it was because Big Ben didn't put that little extra time in or whatever. Tomlin wasn't as mature. Tomlin's become a better coach. Just or there no, was that Brady guy standing in your way. Yeah, but, but I mean, you're supposed to win some of the. I mean, Brady, the Steel, or the Patriots went 10 years without winning a Super Bowl. That's what people don't realize is they won their third. They, but they went to two in that span. Yeah, they yeah. went to two, yeah. and and then the tenth one was the one they won. So there were seven other Super Bowls to go to, and Pittsburgh went to one of them. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like you you got to be able to beat Brady sometimes. Yeah, Baltimore did it once. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, you know, a lot. I mean, he only made he only made the Super Bowl half the time. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's a, I think the the Saints are certainly an example of sacrificing the upside. For a chance or for a likelihood of being good or decent. That's the reason I ask is seeing Mahomes the way that he's been. And I would make the case, as much as I don't want to say it necessarily, Mahomes is play has had the best first, what is it, six or seven years yeah. of a career. So I don't think it's close at this point. I think that's fair. I, I mean, especially with the titles, right? Well, he's gone to the AFC Championship every single yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that he started, not that his... That he started, yeah. yeah. So, to me, the question is, how do you beat him, right? So the 49ers said, I mean, if Brock, as much as I thought Brock Purdy far exceeded expectations, I think he had the best year last year of the regular season... He wasn't ready. You know, I'm reading a lot now about how they went man-to-man and his arm strength was an issue, especially when they had got pressure up the middle and he couldn't step in his throws. Mahomes, I would make the case the last two years have been the two. Now, listen, this year it's tougher because the defense was good. But I think it was P- or um, Football Outsiders had something that said this was like the 17th best Kansas City team like in the Super Bowl era. Right and and then like last year was like the 14th best like and, and the team that won it the first time was like I think they said six best so this was these two years were down years for Kansas City the team that lost to Tampa was better than the, yeah these, without these injuries yeah yeah so the question is how do you beat that guy and is there is Russell Wilson going to do it no no is Tannehill going to do it no is Pickett going to do it. Is, no. Joe Burrow is the only. <laughs> is Justin Fields going to do it? No. So really, this answer brings up the point, shouldn't almost every team be scratching? Like once you get to the point of saying this quarterback's upside, like look, look let's look at Tua. Tua's going to be a choice, right? What are they going to do with him, right? He's going in his fifth year, right? They, they're they going to take his option, I think, for sure. sure. But. Most times, if you don't sign him before that fifth year, it... I think you bring up a good point. That like, how many teams in the AFC? Let's just say the AFC. How many teams in the AFC feel like they've got a quarterback that can beat Patrick Mahomes? And it's a very, very short list. It's probably Bengals, Great. Bills, Chargers. And, Ooh, Chargers. <laughs> I mean, they, they feel like. They, I mean, listen. There's a lot wrong with that team, but they feel like they've got their. Quarterback. Right, I think that's fair. I, I think everybody else is like, oh, maybe the Texans. The, I mean, well, the first Texans, of Baltimore, obviously. Uh, Baltimore, yep. Right. So maybe five, six teams. Huh? And and in the NFC, how many teams meet that? I mean, Jared Goff is. He, I think he's a borderline right now. I think Jared Goff's a no. I think he could win it. I, I mean, they almost beat San. Fr- I mean, listen, they should have beat San Fran, and San Fran almost beat Kansas City. Yeah. 
I mean, so I'm I'm just, I'm saying he's he's uh, he's at the edge of that list. Okay. I think Cousins was on that list before he hurt himself, mm-hmm. but okay, um, or got hurt. But is, like, is I think Dak? Dak, I think Dak is Dak can be Dak could Dak can have as good a game as anyone. Okay, right. Think, so Dak, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts, uh, maybe. Well, he showed it in the Super he Bowl. He did, but but the only question, you're right. The only if he has a down year this year, party's over. I mean, I think there's a chance the league caught up to him is, or maybe he was hurt, you know, or the offensive or coordinator even the court, yeah, the court, yeah. yeah, Matt Stafford. I agree. Purdy? I don't know about Stafford now, but he did play well this year. Okay. Ah, Purdy? I mean, like you said, they almost beat the Chiefs. I, they, I mean, they did, but it just feels, but you know what? It, feel, it feels almost inevitable that they lost that game. It's kind of weird to say, like, even was, because is Jimmy G on the list? No, God, no. But he was he, close he or just was, as close, right. right? Yeah. So those quarter, I told you guys before the Super Bowl, there's something about those lesser quarterbacks that get there, but they can't win. There's yeah. something about that. But let's say Purdy, yes. I think that's the end of the list in the NFC. All right. So what do we got? Like eight, eight, eight nine teams. In the, yeah. So there's eight or nine teams with a quarterback that have the quality that can win the Super Bowl. If you don't have that or you don't think it's possible, you're going to have it. Because Josh Allen after year two wasn't on that list. Yeah. But the thing about quarterbacks is rookie year doesn't matter hardly at all. If you do well, it's great. Right? All You know, like, like we were saying with Houston. CJ Stroud, yeah. But the – if the second year has to start getting good by the end of the year, and it's rare, like Josh Allen didn't, and that's usually death. It's like if you're not getting good, and the thing is, Trevor Lawrence was getting good at the end of year, and two. now it seems like he's it's, he's regressed, and that's that's why I didn't say him. But man, what what a kick in the balls! If you're Jacksonville, you you had the number one pick, you got the guy that's supposed to be the guy. And now we're not even listing you as a team that feels like you're good enough to to ever win it. See, that's a, I would have listed him yes after year two. And and I still think you got to put yes, but but I tell you this: name me the quarterbacks that have had a bad year three, that ever became really good. Like Josh Allen even came around by year, year three. Year three was good. Year three, if you're not doing it, you know I was on. I remember with with Darnold after year two, I was on New York radio saying this guy's not going to do it. I was literally going to say, let's wait on Sam Darnold. Was Lamar Jackson was when did he win his MVP? Was it year two? Oh yeah. And then yeah. year three was the regression year. Well, regression relatively, but he still was okay. a top quarter. I mean, it's not do you drop off at all. It's how, how high of a level are you on in okay. that third year. And that's why Trevor Lawrence, I think you can make the case, is on that brink of being good enough. right? But he has to take a step this year. So, to me, Justin Fields, you trade. But this is what someone's going to do at a certain point. Keep rolling the dice. Keep first round. I mean, look at – I still respect the Cardinals – for um, you know, drafting a quarterback that Josh, you know, Josh, Josh Rosen, Rosen yeah. and then boom, one year we're going to draft someone else, yeah. and oh, that's interesting. I actually think Kyler. Yeah, I think he's good enough if he stays healthy. But there's a big question mark there. But if he's healthy going in the Super Bowl, he can win a game. Okay. All right. So, God, has he even been in a playoff game? Yeah. Remember the Rams beat him real bad that one oh, game. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not saying I'm not saying it seems light. I'm just saying. You wouldn't like he's get the off. kind of player who's yeah. yeah okay. You wouldn't say we got to get rid of him because it's too much to say we need a Mahomes because hardly anyone's. Gonna, the question is, do you have a guy that on his best day can beat Mahomes? Baker Mayfield? I don't think so. I don't. But maybe he proves himself there. But it's interesting. It's at most it's half the league, if not, but it's less than that. On his best day, Deshaun Watson. But does it feel like Deshaun Watson's going to yeah. see best any, days, any best days? Well, J- you could say Joe Namath. Then okay. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Flacco. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. 
So I think that covers the NFL pretty well, right? All right, so here's what we're going to do the rest of the show. We're going to do AJ talking college basketball. And just it's a primer, a primer. Someone called a primer. But I'm going with the Jody Foster pronunciation from Contact. Have so, you watched uh, the new No, Detective? I'm hearing a lot of bad things about it. I heard a lot of bad things, too. I had no interest. I, it's better than season two and season three. So I thought different. season two, I never watched season three. Season two, I thought was pretty good. So actually. season one, Beth Vaughn. Season one was elite. Yeah, yes. But season four is, I, I think, the best one since. Okay. I would make the following case of any one, if you say, what is the best seasons, meaning a season of TV ever? So you could say Soprano season one, Soprano season two. I would make the case the two best seasons of TV I've ever seen, and I'm just going off the top of my head right now, but I have given us a lot of thought. Is and I don't like this show as much as most people. Breaking Bad, the very last season, is as good as any. I mean, when very Hank, good. when Hank, you know, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, etc. Is it, I'm not sure TV gets better than that. I think Breaking Bad, other than that, isn't near as good as they act like it. I think it's a top ten show, which is great. Yeah. It's not as good as like Mad Men, Sopranos, Why. A lot of people put it number one. All right, okay. And I think True Detective season one is probably. On that is the second on that list, if not the first on that list. I think list. it's the first. It's first on my list. I, I think I had a, Wire season four is right there for me too. Wow, everyone likes season four. Season one of Homeland. That was damn good. Was that was surprisingly. Like, good. I've never seen it. Like oh, hold your great. like hold your breath. Well, remember like season one of Homeland. Did you ever watch Billions? No. Okay, so the yeah. guy who's on Billions That's was it. the guy. Yeah, but 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 um. Other well, seasons not so much. Se- like, yeah, it's still good. Season yeah. But season one was incredible. Yeah, I didn't even see the last season yet. I'm going to watch it at some you point. You haven't seen the last season of, uh, what's it called? The, uh, um, yeah. With the New York guys. Like the, uh, the billions. No, the one on HBO. Gossip Girl? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Uh, succession. Oh, succession. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm just not. What in the are you middle. waiting for? I, I'm actually listening. I'm listening to The Godfather on tape. Right? Okay. <laughs> I am actually. It's it's unbelievable. I watched that show on your recommendation, and then you just were like, I'm not watching the last season. No, I'm no, no, no. It it, it, it you know what it's like? It's like having like some wine, like 1936 Rothschild or something. I don't even know. And and saying when am I gonna remember? You, you've seen the movie. Um, that, that Paul Giamonte's in, um, where they, the wine movie, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, sideways, it, sideways. sideways. That's it. All right, remember he had the wine he's waiting for, and he decides yeah. at the end he's going to drink an in and or eat an in and out or whatever, yeah. and drink it. I'm not doing that yet, but I'm waiting because what is there like eight episodes or yeah. whatever? I don't, I won't ever get to see it for the first time again. Okay, right. So I'm waiting to get the right mindset, but I am listening to The Godfather on tape. It's very good. The thing is, the movie is so. I mean, I've read the book like. I've read a couple books like seven, eight times, right? Like just one of those like every couple years. Uh, Atlas Shrugged is one of them, and The Godfather is one of them. I haven't read The Godfather for a couple years, and I saw it on YouTube. I said, I'm going to try it on tape. They actually act it out where they have like the voice for Michael. Or, you know, it'd be like some— you know, <laughs> And it's on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, some hammy accent going— I want to make him an offer he can't refuse. I was I like pretty that. good, actually. <laughs> there's there's an article here from uh, Collider with the best seasons of TV. Okay, okay. Number one is season four of The Wire. 
that that's what the, everyone defaults to that is soft-hearted and soft-brained i think wow. oh come on oh then, the kids it's so much michael then uh season three of twin peaks the the reboot i never watched okay that. now that's interesting because twin peaks was the first real let's say cutting edge show well, maybe not first but one of the first in like the early 90s yeah this is the reboot i understand the and, the, and then david lynch did yes. it and then it was like 25 years later, they gave him a budget to do it again. I have it on. Now, that's something else. I have it on DVD, Letterboxd. I haven't watched it, but go ahead. Uh, season four of Game of Thrones. Oh, God, forget that list. All right. Season five of Breaking Bad. Yeah, that's fine, but I, the list just got And the number five is season two of Succession. And then Ooh, number six is season one, True Detective. That's disrespectful. Well, no, actually, you got to understand, it's so out of left field to think how good that show was. That it's no, it's never listed as one of the best shows because it gets obscured by the other seasons. The fact they had that there actually impresses me. Actually, I bet most lists won't have that in the top ten of of see like trying to find one. Other I bet one. it does. I bet if you find another right. one, will have it. Another list. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do it randomly now. Don't don't you know? Just yeah. Best TV seasons of all, all right, here time. Here we go. Uh, Business Insider. Let's Perfect. Scroll down to number Perfect. one. He just here. all right. Number one on the list is Rectify season four. Now, this is a savvy list, then. I, I, I don't know that show that no, well, but I know it's well-regarded. No, number two, season four of The Larry Sanders Show. Now, that this is maybe <laughs> the best list show. I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, number three is season one of Murder One. Oh, I I've, I just rewatched that show. When is show. this list from? No, first what of, year? Well, it had to be. It's a historic list. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's the intro, because, I mean, Rectify was the guy that was on Deadwood. Deadwood is going to be on here, I'm guessing. I, and listen, and, and I'm going to tell you one other thing. So what, we were just talking about Larry. What was the last Larry show? Larry Sanders. But, what was the last show you said? Murder One. Oh, okay. So what that was was Steve Bochco, the guy who did L.A. Law in Hill Street Blues, uh-huh. right, is on NYPD Blue, he also did that. There was a guy who played a lawyer who had a fate. He kind of has that bald head that we were talking about, right? Like his face melted. Uh-huh. And he, it, it was right around the, yes, it was right <laughs> around the OJ case. And um, and it was like, hey, let's follow a whole season of one murder. So you know who was in that was a Steve, not Buscemi, but it was uh, uh, Stanley Tucci, right? I think how you say his name. Mm-hmm. But he played the, the bill, he was like a billionaire. It was good. I, I actually rewatched it like five years ago. Like I had to order it on DVD. It's, a, it, it's not streaming or anything. Okay. But um, I would highly recommend okay. it. All right, next on the list is another season of the Larry Sanders show. Oh, this is good. This uh, is good. Which is season number six. Now, Larry Sanders was the uh, one of the first HBO shows that really mm-hmm. mattered in the early nineties. And then number five on the list is season five of Breaking Bad. Okay, this is yeah. a this is a good freaking list. list. Season three of The Office UK. The UK uh, oh, version. he's hardcore oh, man. Season one of The Office UK okay. version is number seven. Number eight is season three of The Leftovers. Ooh. I heard good things about that show. I, I tell you, you did all yeah, three yeah. seasons? That surprises me. That was probably the most difficult show. We would watch, we tape it, and then it was like by the next Sunday, it wasn't even like watched yet because it was like going through torture. It was, you know how what show I felt that way about was Westworld. Oh, wow. That was just a yeah, bad I show. I couldn't watch it. It was so painful. Uh, the Wire, season four. Okay. And Soprano, season two. Oh, oh, I love RJ the Richard Pryor season. That's the yeah. Richard Pryor season. But I would have thought this one would have had it. <laughs> you know, I was actually rewatching some old like Sopranos clips. That's funny. I just had this conversation today about it. And like you watch like season one and season two, 
and I don't know if maybe like my perception has changed, but I'm looking, I'm watching like James Gandolfini, I'm watching Tony, I'm like, he's not fat. No, no, you're like, right. You're <laughs> like, right. No, he's, like, he's like, he's like, a regular, like in shape, like not in shape, but a regular, like size yeah. guy. And I feel like back in the day, I, I looked at Tony Soprano, but then like in later seasons, like him with the robe and the well, the, Jackie you know. Gle- Jackie Gleason was an example of that because he yeah. was always known to be fat, but he really wasn't that fat. But here's the thing: Tony puts on a massive amount of weight. Yes, yes, in later seasons. And here's the thing that most people don't know: the first episode was taped, the pilot, like a year and a half. Before the second episode was taped, yeah. so his hair—lots of hair. His yeah. hair was very different in the first episode. Let's just—and the whole tenor of the show was different. Yeah, it was like they did a chase with music. Remember, and he beats the guy out of the money in front of the mm-hmm. and and David Chase actually directed the first episode. I'm kind of happy he did it after because I, you know, I like the direction it went. But here's the thing about The Sopranos too. I believe the last couple seasons are better than the first couple. No one thinks, or most, let's say, mob people, oh, I want some killings. Those people usually don't think so. But if you act, the dream season, for example, is so advanced. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like both of them, both the early end. But I think season two, Richie April was one of the scariest characters yeah. ever. I mean, when he drove over Beansy and paralyzed him, then he heard he was talking shit, and he went in and told him in the hospital, I'll, I'll send your arms where I sent your legs. Now, that that would be scary. What a great show. Oh, no what doubt. But it's interesting how none of the se- – it's like I think the Sopranos would be either number one or number two on most lists for the best show of all time, but there's yeah. no one season that stands no. out as much. No. Okay. So they kind of blend in. All right. So how much did we bet on that? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, AJ, we're going to let you talk some college basketball. Now, I'm going to guide the conversation. I should say this. I'm going to go get a little drink of water. So you start Dealer's Choice, and I'll be back within a minute, and we keep going. All right. Well, we're going to start with home court advantage in college basketball and how insane it is this year. And we were, we were talking about how basically you're paying a tax – uh, every game, uh, probably a full point more than you would have a year ago or in, in the past. And we took a look at the big conferences. Big Ten, home teams so far this season, 112 and 93. This and is ATS numbers. ATS. Okay. Big 12, 110 and 89. ACC, 112 and 100. Pac-12, 86 and 74. Only conference with a losing record, SEC, 95 and 102. So overall, those those five conferences, 515 and 458, that's 54% ATS. Home dogs, Big Ten, they're 20 and 12. Big 12, 15 and 12. ACC, 17 and 21. Pac 12, 18 and 9. SEC, 16 and 15. 86, 59 and 1. 59% ATS, home dogs. So what was the first one? 54%. Yeah, no, the first uh, number of the home dogs. Which oh, conference was 20 that? and 12. That's a Big Ten. So Big Ten home dogs we like. Big Ten, Pac-12. And Pac-12 Pac-12, 18 and 9 home dogs. Uh, so, it, I mean, you're seeing money come in every game on the home team. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm getting to where now, if I want to bet a road team, which, I, again, I, admittedly is less this season than – in the past, you would say do it on the opener. I no. If I want the road team, oh, I'm waiting. Wait, yeah. Because if I want the home team, I, you have to bet the opener, it, because that's gonna, the number's not going to last. I, I don't know how many times I, I was like, oh, I'll wait and see. It it opened three. I'll, I'll see if it gets to two and a half. I wake up, it's four and a half. You can't with the home teams. You cannot wait. Everyone is betting the home teams. 
If you want the road team, wait. And again, these numbers tell you 54% in the big five conferences for the home teams, you're not going to want the road teams a lot. But if you do, you want to take them as late as possible. So how's it been if we look at the last, let's say, the month of February, how home teams have done it? I can look it up if you don't have it. But it's like, to me, if the line's moving a point, a point and a half, and it was hitting 54%, then that's all gobbled up by the move. That's a good possibility. I, I, I didn't break it down month by month. We broke it conference by conference, but we didn't look at it month so by which month. So which is the strongest uh, ATS? Which conference? Uh, it looks like the, the Pac-12. So Pac-12. Let's see. So we'll do Pac-12 games then. And I'll look up the – I guess we can do it by – I'll look at what's recent. Because they're 86 and 74, the home teams, ATS, 18 and 9 home dogs. So 66% on home dogs. Yeah, so, um, Scott, you did a good job here. I, I got it in front of me now. He was looking it up. Is Let's look at the months. So we're looking at the Pac-12 only. We're looking at home teams. Right? In November, 21 and 18. So not great, but 1.8 points. That's pretty strong. In December, 25 and 19, covering by two points. And then in January, 25 and 19, so 56%. And but covering by 3.8 points a game. And then finally, in February, below 500, 15 and 18. Mm-hmm. So in general, when there's a trend assist or something league-wide, conference-wide, and then the public starts betting it, usually it's going to get bet at least up to the point it's no longer valid, if not past it, because people tend not to know how much to do. So I would say... Doesn't mean you want to play the road. And again, maybe now that it's slowing down, it might not be bad as much. It might not move as much. That's why, in general, you need the power ratings to tell you, is this out of whack or not? Still feels like it's getting bet. I mean, I'm with you. It's certainly not as profitable. Maybe it's getting bet to the point of overkill is the problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Now, but I think, I think the fact that the books kept opening – low enough that it was getting bet tells you the books didn't believe that they thought it was a trend they didn't mind because listen if you keep getting the favorites bet at home or the the home team at all right and you keep opening the number at a number that they're going to bet that's saying you want those bets because you could easily open the number a point higher right and in theory some of them are going to bet that because they don't know enough to know now if we actually look at all teams right and Look at the months. I'll just do the percentages here, but there's like a thousand games in each of the months. In November was 52.4%, which is pretty high for like 800 games. In December, 51.3, so down. January, 50.8, down. Mm. February, 47.2, 47.2% in February. Home teams. That's wild. So this that is. Could, that could. Mean market adjustment, for sure it does. Yeah. That's, I mean that's what it, market over adjustment. I mean, yeah. uh, it's hard to. Hmm, that's interesting. Like what's the what's the point differential in February? Like what's the in February it was minus point six, and in January it was almost exactly. So now here. think think about it in terms of I mean, uh, for lack of a better term, CLV. Mm-hmm. But for market adjustment, let's say if the market is adjusted by one full point, mm-hmm. you flip those numbers around completely. Yeah, and, and it looks like the market adjusted about a half a point um, because it went. I mean, again, it's a thousand games on, or twelve hundred games in January, so that's enough games. You mm-hmm. could th- is it was right around break even, 
and then it was down a half a point. Now, again, it could be the move. Now, you could look at the average line, except you don't know how tough the competition is. Exactly, you know? yeah. Um, actually, looking at it, in general, you would think January and February is both in conference mostly, so mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty similar. Um, January, is my, uh, the average line was minus 3.2, and in February it was minus 3.3. So a little bit of movement there, but not a ton. Now, my question is, moving on, how do we we look at road performance in the tournaments typically? Because it's more of a road game than a home sure. game. So I think a lot of teams that are – I mean, some of these teams got extreme splits, right? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, so Purdue is a great example. Purdue is a team that I've got no interest in backing when they're away from home, which means I'm probably going to have no interest in them in the tournament, like at least at least with them going far in the tournament because I, I don't trust them away from home. As good as they've been this season – on the road, they're not the same team, and so I, 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 you have to knock those teams. Teams that have a bunch of good road wins, it's hard to not upgrade those teams come March. So who's some of who's some of the teams that you look at as being home base? Purdue is one. Arizona is one. But Purdue, you're saying is 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 mostly home advantage. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Houston has probably if if the NCAA tournament was played at the Fertitta Center, Houston <laughs> would win the national championship. Houston one five and one ATS away from home. <laughs> one five and one. That's yeah. seven games. Yeah. They've only played seven road games. Yeah. I, I, but at home, all they do is all they do is win and cover. It, they, they blow everybody out at home. So that that's the stuff that makes me worry. Yeah, well, 10 and I five mean, ATS, if anything, it's an opportunity. Straight up. I mean, look at this. Arizona's ten and three at home. But they cover by nine and a half points per game. Yeah. That's massive. And then Purdue. Now, who's the teams that you think are solid on the road? Hmm. I no. want I want to say Connecticut, but then they just got blown out on the road. Well, if they're playing a ranked opponent on the road, oh, they're bad. This if is they're playing cra- an unranked opponent on the road, you can bet them. This is a crazy number, RJ. The Connecticut Huskies, the last time they won a game on the road against a ranked team. January 16th, 2014. How many games have there been since? They've had 25 opportunities. They are 0-25 their last 25 games on the road against ranked opponents. I wonder how many times they were favored because that's the classic, you know, the home team is unranked. Oh, I guess in this case the home team's ranked. Okay. Huh. By the way, with Purdue, the record at home, ATS, 6-6. Six and six. Oh, Really? But their straight up record is thirteen and zero. Okay. So, and I guess there was one game that didn't have a spread. I'm Look just at doing a, the math there. Tennessee. Tennessee is another team that I think very home court dependent. All right. So Tennessee eight and five at home. Uh, ATS. They're twelve and one straight up. And then let me do the road here. Let me get some road numbers for you. So what was that year? You said 2015? 20, uh, or 2014. 2014. Okay. Which so was I the got... last year. That's when they won the national championship. Yep. So I see 0 and 23 since 2014. UConn away and the opponent ranked. And what uh, was this, what's the ATS record? ATS is 8, 13, and 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, average line is actually 7.3, which means plus 7.3, which means they've been dogs. So let me see. And when they're an underdog on the road, 0 and 19. And eight, ten, and one ATS. Okay, so when not bad as a dog. When so when they're favorite, zero and three, zero and three. Okay, okay, all right. But still, even when there's those extreme numbers, you look at ATS is not near as extreme. No. So, uh, so Tennessee, we'll look at here, and then we'll go to the next topic. 
Why don't you go to the next topic? I'll tell you Tennessee. All right, I want to talk about Player of the Year, National Player of the Year. The odds right now. For, I got Lou Alcindor. It's not going to be him. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. There, <laughs> Zach Eady is minus twenty five thousand to be the Player of the Year. Twenty five hundred. Twenty. Oh, sorry, minus twenty five hundred. You're right. I was looking at the other so side. So it's twenty five to win one. Yes. Okay. Okay. He's coming into the season, he was plus 175. He's going to be the first back-to-back player of the year since 1982-83. Ralph, Patrick Ewing. Ralph Sampson. Oh, Ralph. Virginia. The, so the Twin se- Towers. The second favorite right now is Dalton Connect. He's plus 3,000. Okay. Okay, uh, so we got a clear. And uh, This is the Purdue guy? Yeah. Okay. I, I tell you this. Purdue's underperformed in the tournaments. Mm-hmm. I think some of it has to do with the game, right? In the po- I mean, the post play, it used to be that's what people wanted in the playoffs. No, now it's guards. Guards win, yeah, guards win tournaments. That's what I'm saying. But back in the day, it was like, oh, it was tough to shoot outside when the pressure's on mm-hmm. in the arenas, you know, the big venues. I think in general that this coach, and I mean, I, w- I was reading some of his quotes, he seems very high price. He seems like a Bill Cower type. Like, like he's always got the pressure on. Oh, for sure. That's what I'm saying. Is I mean, he's those being the, called a loser. Like it's, but those are the teams that struggle in with the. I mean, Andy Reid's. I mean, as much as you don't think so, Belichick was like he was. Belichick was calm. Right? Andy Reid is calm. You ever see Belichick screaming during a Super Bowl? Never. No. But this guy seems like the type that's going to stress everyone out. I agree. Uh, what makes Zach Eady unique is that he's very much like Yao Ming. I think. I think he's that kind of a player. Like. He's a big man, but he, he he can shoot free throws. And everybody like normally when you have a big man that dominates in college, the answer is just foul him, mm-hmm, and he'll mm-hmm. he'll kill himself. He shoots seventy three percent from the line. Like you can't do it. That's why he's just. There's no answer for him. The way they officiate him, there's no answer for it. So how did they lose to a sixteen seed? It's. I mean, it's really a detriment to Matt Painter. <laughs> to be honest. So next week, what I want to talk about is how has the transfer portal and all of the different college basketball changes affecting the handicap because there might be people that only handicap the tournament and we want to give them that insight okay that sound good sounds you good got anything else this week yeah i got one more thing uh i, I want to give a future out uh okay, and i'm gonna split wait, it wait you know let's do it let's have our gal join in oh haven't heard her in a while wow we, had well, we heard her last week. week last week baby yep we're back the, when the super bowl is over she comes back don't know about the future, that's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil, I give you a piece of my mind. All right, I'm going to split Creighton plus 800 to make the Final Four and plus 3,000 to win the national championship. Uh, They're playing great ball right now. I had kind of thrown them in the trash can. They were my favorite to win the Big East coming into the season. Creighton, Marquette, and and uh, UConn. UConn were looked at as like the the three co favorites to win the Big East. Creighton did they've underperformed basically uh, until this point. Their last four games, they won at Xavier, they beat Georgetown, which isn't even a real team. They won at Butler by over twenty points, and then they just smashed UConn at home. So they are finding their rhythm. They're a senior laden team. They've got good guards. They've got good bigs, and since two thousand one. 95.5% of champions were in the top 20 Ken Palm offense. 91% of champions were in the top 30 Ken Palm defense. There are 
a handful of teams right now that fit that. UConn, Tennessee, Houston, North Carolina, Duke, Purdue, Arizona, and Creighton are the teams that fit into both of those categories. Top 20 in offense, top 30 in defense. And just the way Creighton's kind of bringing it together, they're starting to meet preseason expectations. I like that team. I like buying them now before the Big East tournament. Uh, I think they're just as good as UConn and Marquette. UConn, you've got to pay such a premium on, and I don't think there's much of a difference between these teams. So uh, split that bet. Creighton plus 800 to make the Final Four. Creighton plus 3,000 to win the national championship. Pretty strong, self-assured, pretty strong stuff. So this will be a chance for you to kind of catch up if you haven't on college basketball. Um, you expect Creighton to play well throughout the end of the, you know, up till the end of the year? I do. And Creighton, remember, if it weren't for a iffy foul call, Creighton beat San Diego State last year, and Creighton's probably in the Final Four. Uh, it's, so it's funny how you, you it, things change based on one little play, but this, this Creighton team is good enough to be there. I, I fully believe that. I believed it last year. I believe it this year. I think this is one of the most talented teams in the country. Scott, look this up, if you don't mind, on um... – Circa, they got a prop out, which is the top two teams or the yeah, field. Yeah, we talked about yeah. it yesterday. It, was, okay. it, it opened at minus 330. So tell U, the team. UConn first. and Purdue uh, right. versus the field. The mm-hmm. field was minus 330. Okay. And uh, when I looked at it uh, last night, it was minus 350. So, so money came in immediately well, on the field. I don't know about immediately. Right? How, what time did it open up? Uh, it's now, right now, It's the no is minus, uh, oh, this is... Purdue or UConn to win yeah. the championship? Yes, plus two seventy. No, minus three forty. So it's down. Oh, it's going back down now. All right. I like the no. I like the no. Well, Connecticut, you're saying is overrated. I, yeah. And Purdue's the other one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, I love that. I'm, I, I love do too. Though. Yeah. I might take off the rubber band. I, in fact, I'm making that my <laughs> bet. No, I do like that because I mean, you got Purdue. I mean, I can't. Three K limit. I can't imagine Purdue navigates six rounds. There's the no way. way. I mean, there's a way, but, you know, I mean, but remember, the nice thing is you can bet against Purdue and bet against Connecticut. Um, you know, Circa will give you the no price on those, too, yep. on just the, yep. you know, which is really nice. The no price on, let's see, they have it right. They should have it here um, unless they just don't have it individually. No, uh, uh, they might just have them both lumped in together. Typically, they do have yeah. it. But, yeah. OK, so last topic and uh this there's been a big study, not even a study, but reporting on gambling that came out, and some of it was sports betting and some of it not. What they came out with was the way that gambling has grown, and I think this is exciting and cool. But I think there's one cause of concern. All right, so let's look at the numbers first. Um, the gambling, the sports betting specific revenue in the United States, legal and regulated. $10.9 billion. $10.9 billion. Now, that's a 44% increase from the $7.5 billion in 2022. So, 44% increase. But now, if you look at the amount wagered, so the win is, the revenue is the win, effectively, of the book, and the amount wagered is the handle. The handle, $119 billion. Big number, but that's a 27% increase. So if the handle goes up 27%, but the profit goes up 44%, mm. let me tell you, <laughs> the margin or the, you know, the, their, their profit margin has gone up 
significantly. And I mean, let me think 54. I mean, it's, it's what, let's just do the math here. Where's my calculator? Oh, there it is. So if we simply say 44.5, all right, divided by, should do it for me, I think, 27.8. So that's 60% increase in the profit mm-hmm. margin. So 119 billion of handle, and like we said, the, the profit margin up 60%. Now, what is causing that? It's simple. It's the books. Well, first of all, the, the the novice bettors are not betting straight bets. The hold percentage on straight bets, if it's a drunk baby flipping coins, literally it's going to be fifty. You know, it's going to be the the four. You know, the uh, you know one divided by twenty one number. That's like four point seven eight or whatever it is, and it's below five percent is the easy way to say that. Okay. So it's like, okay, so that's the, in theory, that's the worst you should do if you're playing straight bets. Now, over time, you might have a bad year, you hit 46%, some years you're going to hit 54, just randomly, right? But in general, across everyone, if everyone was betting straight bets, the handle would be, or the uh, win would be much, much less. A lot of people are betting the parlays and all that, okay? It's hard to blame them. They've made them super appealing. But I think there's another part to this. Just this year, as I've observed the same game parlays, the hold percentage has gone up and up and up. Uh, a situation where it's like, okay, we're going to make it a three-way, and it can tie. So did Team A win, Team B win, or was it a tie? Mm-hmm. And then Team A and B are both minus 105, and then you can get scooped if it ties. I mean, that's stuff like I used to have a bookie in Pittsburgh that, that was minus one, minus one. <laughs> Right, literally, if it was a pick'em game, you had to lay one on either team. So if it fell one, they they got you know they got the side. They they would collect on one and and, and push on the other. So you couldn't win that way. I remember the first public gambling I ever did was the Catholic Church, uh, St. Mary's had a, a festival like a two day festival every August. And they had a dice game in the in the garage. You had to be older <laughs> to go. And the dice game was you could bet over seven, under seven, or seven. But if it fell seven, so so the but you only got paid like fifty percent. I mean, it was like you were getting scooped whenever it would hit seven. Yeah, it was like seven was the the zero or double zero on roulette. But gotcha. it was the most common result. Mm-hmm. The hold was like thirty percent. That that might work for a day or two. It's not going to work. To me, if the books, but here's the catch-22, the books are doing a land grab. The more money they make now, the more advertising they can buy, mm-hmm. the more deals they can do with a uh, bar stool or whatever. I mean, the big million-dollar deals. And then if you win that land grab, then you've got a billion, you know, a $50 billion company. But look at horse racing as the cautionary tale. Because of all of the expense to it, is part of the reason, is the whole percentage upwards of 20%. And what happens is if you hold that much, you can't have a sustained clientele. You're going to have people come in and play. and leave. the be- We've all heard the old saying about the sheep or what is it, the sheep's down in the field and they say, hey, let's go down and F them all and, you know, and it, or, or, or let's go down and F one of them and then it says, no, let's walk down and F them all, right? <laughs> is to some degree, you got to make it where the players have enough chance to win or they won't lose so much 
that next year they're ready to go again. Because if they lose so much that they get devastated, they're, they swear it mm. off. And it becomes a problem. Do you think that's where the boosts come in? No. I think the boosts are a way to make... Because the boosts only... I mean, unless I'm mistaken, they only happen with, like, premier... Like, Bill Simmons has a... I mean, no. they're boosting every day now. Every day. Every okay. book has boosts. And it's like a certain parlay they put together? Or how does it yeah. work? Yeah. Or sometimes they'll just boost like, what's today? Bets. Like, what's today's boost? Uh, let's see. I'll go log on to... For example, I'll just go on William Hill yeah. here in Vegas and tell you if they have a boost right now. All right. Boost. I can do Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, and Paul George each... Over two and a half made three pointers plus two hundred. But we don't the true, know the true price is probably. But we don't know what the yeah, true price is. Right. Yeah. So in a weird way, maybe they do minimize the the hold a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still going to be a nice hold, right? So I don't listen. They have gotten very good at engendering or, or generating action, and all I'm saying is, if you're a player, we can't hope. That the, the the books are going to be conscientious to say we don't want to sh- we don't want to shear the sheep too much. Let's give you know let's them have enough to you know a sustainable loss. If you think about gambling, listen. If you can win, you can win. That's great, right? Our goal is to help you your bottom line improve. If that means you're going from a slight loser to a slight winner, we've done something great. But you know what? If you went from a big loser to a moderate loser, we've done something great. All we can do is help your bottom line. That's what we strive to do. But if your loss is big enough that you can't sustain it, you quit playing. Or if you're compulsive, who knows? Maybe you don't, you go bankrupt. But if normal, typical people are going to quit. And horse racing, all you got to do is go to a race book and, and look around on a Tuesday night. There's no one there, mm-hmm. right? And they have these gigantic, you ever notice how big the race books are? Yeah. Because they used to, because they wanted any sucker. And again, I think the smartest betters are often horse players because it's a very intellectual endeavor, but that's dying, right? And part of the death of it is the hold. And this tells me 60% more hold than last year. That's not a coincidence. And I think that as we hope the books are going to be conscientious, I doubt it. But you as a player got to understand when you play a same game parlay, unless you think if you can't identify your edge, why you think it's not bad, you're probably going to lose faster than if you're playing sides. Now, I would make the case a lot of people would say, yeah, but I enjoy it so much more. Okay, lower the amount you're batting then. Mm. right? If they double the hand or if they double the hold and you cut in half your bets, you're going to lose the same amount. Now, you have a, less of a chance to win more, but again, if you're looking at it as recreational, don't let them hold 12 15 18%. It's not sustainable. That's my public service message. I like it. Thinking about the opposite, Scott, let's talk about your bet or the bet, let's be candid, that I helped us hedge out and, and scoop. Yeah, the Sabrina Ionescu, Steph Curry three point competition. Yeah. Uh, I wanted my best bet. We, was, didn't, we didn't need AJ for this. Yeah. No. The best bet was the over 45 and a half combined score, which hit, but rather than play that over 45 and a half combined score, we engineered. The two-part bet, which was Sabrina over 20 and a half for her score and then Steph to win. And the theory was if she wins, she's going to get over 20 and a half because we looked at the historical data of both of their three-point competitions. And if she doesn't get over 20 and a half, well, then Steph's going to win. So you're not going to lose both bets. It was was less likely. Less likely. Worst case scenario, you're going to split. 
but a good opportunity to scoop, and that's exactly what happened with the uh, 29-26 Steph Curry win, scooping both bets. My dad, when he used to shoot pool, if he shot one that in our basement that was it got lucky and like hit a ball and then went in or something, he'd go, it's like it had eyes. <laughs> well... It's like it had eyes. Yeah. It went exactly how we thought. Now, I, I love when we put our mind. To me, that's some of my favorite bets, mm-hmm. when we put our mind to it and we find an edge. That's what made the, the same game parlay pod so much fun, in my opinion, this yeah, year. Yeah, and especially us hitting, hitting on the end yeah. of it to put a clear win on the season. All right, so we don't Who have, wins, you and your dad shoot pool? Oh, God. I, I mean, he, I, he quit shooting me at some point. Okay. I, I, listen, you, you I could shoot. Him. What I, age did you overtake him? I always could shoot better because we got a pool table. It was probably the one indulgence that we really had. We had enough room in the basement. We got like a it wasn't a Brunswick, but it was a nice table. And I got a I bought a, a I think a Dufferin. I, it was a Canadian queue, but it was a nice queue. Yeah, I won a lot of money down there. <laughs> and then finally, there was good shots. They said, oh, we don't want to play on your table anymore. I got. I, I had my own queue in college. In my freshman dorm, we had uh, a table in in the. In the lobby, uh-huh. and you know, I was playing guys for money, and then eventually, when people saw me take out my own personal uh-huh. cue and, and screw it together, they didn't want to bet it. They didn't want to bet me, and I was like, they never seen me play. But the fact that I had my own cue, guys were like, "It's like a guy who walks." I don't the, want it. If if you walk into the bowling alley, you don't have to you don't have to rent shoes. You don't have to rent a like you don't have to use one of the balls off the rack. Yeah, I'm not betting that. You guy. don't want to bet against <laughs> that guy. Well, in the hustler, at one point, when Paul Newman comes in, he goes, "You want to play?" The guy goes. Listen, friend, I don't play people come into pool rooms with a leather satchel. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. So uh, let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. Oh, I had hustle. I thought it was the hustler quote <laughs> that I have. That was, <laughs> I had a hard case with the two little, fl- the two little flaps. It looked the like you, people thought you, you had a flute. In <laughs> yeah, the could you really shoot? Uh, I was much better. I haven't played in so long, but I was uh, playing for a while. Like my, my freshman year of college, I was down there every day. Really? Like, yeah. Just shooting. So, did you shoot a lot before that? Um, just at friends' houses that had, you know, and we would go a couple of nights. We'd go to the pool hall, but not like freak, not as frequent as my freshman year. I was down there every day. I had a pool table at my house when I was a kid. Yeah. I, ah. I don't know that I ever played on it. Like I, I, I would like, I would literally like. Did you ever make love on it? No, I would lay on it and watch TV. <laughs> I would like lay on the top of it and watch television. With that, I don't trust anyone that would have a pool table and wouldn't shoot. I mean, I was like a little kid. I was like, but then you know, was the pool table gone after? Yeah. When my parents got, had divorced, when my for, parents got divorced, like I, I the mean, pool table went with your dad. Uh, I think the pool table just went away when they went to like they went to separate houses and they sold the pool table. I'm pretty sure. And your dreams died. You could have been a professional pool. I don't shit. think so. I was never really that interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know that de- that depresses me. Actually, we used to have. I mean, literally. So I was batting every night, right? Especially if basketball, NBA, doing baseball. But see, I love baseball too. But I don't think I started batting baseball until I was like eighteen or nineteen. But like when I was fifteen, I was batting every night of basketball. Mm-hmm. I still remember the score lines pre-internet. Is they'd be like, I still remember once the Magic. Oh, I'm sorry, check that the Mavs, who were good. If you remember, in the, like the late. Early 80s or mid 80s, the Mavs had a good run. Like, there were some drug guys that were there, like Pearson. I mean, Chuck Person, man, I can't remember. But um, the Lakers, right, who were the best, you know, them and the Celtics, and, and it was a game where the Lakers were back to back, and somehow the Mavs were favored by four. And all the Sharps, you know, at the time I understood, were on the Mavs. And I'm thought this is gutsy, man. I'm betting against magic, and I'm laying points, baby. <laughs> and somehow, 
the Mavs win by three. And I'm like, what the hell did I just do? Magic just got beat. I still don't win the bat. Yeah. And, 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 and I still remember there was another game like that. This would have been like maybe early, early Bulls run, like 20, maybe when I was 20, 92, let's say, the first year they won it or whatever. And, but they went to Utah, and they was, Utah was still good, and Utah was like laying two. And finally, Utah wins by one, and all Sports Center and everything's leading. The Jazz spring, the massive upset, and somehow I bet Utah minus two. Yeah. <laughs> there were some tough lessons in those days. But we used to play, and I'd get the lines at 630, and everyone would gather around, and we'd bet to get, you know, I'd say, I'm betting this. They'd say, all right, I'll jump on for 20 or 30. You know, I was betting, like I said, when I was 15, like two, 220 a game. That was a standard bet, which was crazy. And if I would have got on a losing streak, it would have been a problem. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. But then we we literally, you know, see how the lines move and shoot, pull, and shoot from, like, let's say six to eight and then start watching the games and put the bets in. I still remember a little rotary phone downstairs. Now that's a that's a way to that's an upbringing. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, a lot of people might be appalled right now, but <laughs> hey, they, <laughs> who are they to judge? So, what are we doing without Fez this week? Back next week, what do we do about the? Hey, hey, I I think we hear Scott's Fez impersonation. Scott's the master of impersonations. It seems like that's a good time for it. Okay, this is what I'll do. Do you want to do that? Yeah, I'll give it a go. I, I'll let you do it, <laughs> and then if it's no good, I'll play a sound drop. Okay. So first he smiles. You have to smile first. It's his moment. And then you have to go, hey. Hey! Just be careful out there. May I remind you, in this archdiocese, God don't run the bingo. 